Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Real Estate Matters. For over nine years, the voice of real estate in Flagler County in Palm Coast, Florida. I'm Toby Tobin. I'm a Florida licensed commercial realtor with Grand Living Realty. And I'm in the studio with Walker Douglas. I am my, Walker Douglas. The opposite end of the age spectrum. Almost. We, we I pretty, would have to be eight, zero, we, eight. We, we, we pretty much bookend the entire the listenership. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, do you think there's a listener younger than 29? Probably not. Probably not. Maybe on our more controversial topics. When we talk about really steamy stuff, salacious stuff, that's when we get to 25-year-olds. So what is salacious about real estate? Not a lot. Just the sell part of the Asians. Yeah, the sell. We put the sell in salacious. So the date is, as we're recording here on Thursday for Saturday's show, it's November 2nd, and most of the October sales have been reported. So we can pretend that the month is done and say that there were 219 homes sold through MLS, single-family homes in Fargo County, and that's compared to 237 last October. So Not a huge deviation. Not a big deviation. Um, The only deviant is sitting next to me here in the studio. Deviant. Deviant. 219 homes versus 237, you would jump to the conclusion, I'm sure, that sales are off from a year ago. Well, if you look at September, you kind of flip those numbers around, so it all evens out. We're in a really small market, and you can't jump to conclusions based on one month's numbers, or for that matter, even a couple of months, two months don't make a trend. The median price... However, is spot on from a year ago. It's three hundred and sixty-four thousand seven hundred and thirty-five versus three hundred sixty-five thousand nine hundred. So, but it's lower. That's alarming. Yes. Uh, no home sold for less than two hundred thousand. Wow. And only two sold below two ten. One of them was a fixer upper. In Benal, the other one was a short sale uh, estate. It's amazing when with, fixer with, uppers are priced like mm-hmm. you know not fixer uppers. Well, when you think that um, fifteen years ago, it was hard to sell a, ho- a home for over two hundred thousand in this market. It was very unusual in any of the traditional lettered sections to see a home. Sold for over two hundred thousand. Now, nothing below. And do <clears throat> you remember a couple of months ago we were talking about affordable housing? And I, I went through the exercise of taking the Palm Coast median household income, which is roughly sixty-two thousand dollars. This is a great exercise. <clears throat> and uh, what I did with that number is I said, okay, what, what number, what price range can I afford? In the mortgage market, and and I assume the mortgage rate of six and a half percent at the time, which is lower now. <clears throat> I mean, we're talking eight percent now. Mm-hmm. Well, so anyway, you're jumping yeah. ahead of me, but that's okay. Yeah. I, I won't forget where I'm going. Then. I didn't read the notes, obviously. <laughs> but at uh, at six and a half percent, 
a 62000 annual income, household income, can justify to the mortgage market a home roughly $200,000. Now, check today, the mortgage rate, 30-year fixed mortgage rate is roughly 8% today's market. It depends on what your credit rating is and of course, how much you're putting down. But at just moving from 65 to 8%, nudged that 200000 number up to 225 Wow. So now uh, we look at last last month, and I've said there are only two homes that sold for under two twenty five, and they were both distressed sales. So really half of our household income folks are pretty much blocked out of being a new home buyer. There goes the middle class, the yep. whole thing. Turning the middle class into a rental society. And the, finally, the national news has acknowledged that and saying it's – since 1996, has there never been a worse time to own versus rent? If you're renting, you're locked in. You have no incentive, no reason to jump to ownership. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the rental cost is below the carrying cost yeah. generally by, by a substantial amount now. Now, another indicator that we look at regularly is days on market. In a normal market, <clears throat> you, you normally look at about six months is kind of an average market uh, where the buyer and the seller are on equal footing. So it's not a buyer's market or a seller's market. But that's six months' worth of inventory on the market. Right now, the days on market, that's from listing date to contract date, 39 days. So that still tells us that we've got a fairly robust market. Now, over the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic when the market was crazy, we were looking at what I call the Gindex, which is uh, the relationship between the number of homes that are listed and the number of homes that are under contract. And in a normal market, there should be a lot more homes listed than there are under contract. But during the pandemic, that wasn't true. It was flipped upside down. Now we're back to more normal numbers where the homes listed is 939. Anything over 900 is sort of normal, 900 to 11 or 1,200. And homes pending down a little bit from a couple of weeks ago. That's 315. But those are our healthy numbers, 39 days on market, healthy number. So there are a lot of things about today's market that are positive. But the number of homes sold is down just slightly from a year ago. And the total market value of those homes sold is down a little bit, but only five or seven percent. It's not a it's not a big change. Last month there were eight homes that were sold for a million or more. Wow. And uh, three of them sold for cash. Two head owner financing. <clears throat> which is something that I think we're probably going to see more of, especially in the higher end of the market, because a, a wealthy home seller, if they don't need the cash, or they're just going to have to take that cash and put it someplace else, or where, where would you put it? You're not going to make but, you know, seven, six and a half, seven percent on it. Well, uh, on owner-financed, you know, the, the, the market is at 8%. 
owner financing typically is above market. Yeah. <clears throat> so where, where, where are you going to find a money market at 8 plus percent? You're not. So 131 single family building permits were issued last month. That's down a little bit from a year ago. But again, we don't want to jump to conclusions because the reason may not be what it seems. Just because the number's down doesn't mean that the uh, lust for new construction has dissipated. And building okay. permits is interesting because does this, does this metric track like a subdivision when you get a lot of kind of building permits coming in at the same time? Well, that's, that's what's, what's happening. In fact, uh, last, last month, the total permits, and this is, I get my numbers from Flegler Beach, which includes Beverly Beach, uh, the county, city of Benel, and the city of Palm Coast. And those four inputs combined came up with 131 single-family permits. But just in Palm Coast alone, there were 142 applications for single-family yeah. permits. You naturally say, oh, the, the, the builders are getting all excited. They must be uh, very positive on the market. When, in fact, what happened is D.R. Horton opened up a new phase in one of their developments that allowed them to – I mean, they would have built last month or the month before if they had been ready. So unless – basically unless permit – unless the number is ridiculous with permits, it's, it's not the best indicator of the health or lack thereof of the market. No, well, but how else would you fill a half an hour show? Yeah, we we need a more obscure and less useful uh, metric for next show. <laughs> okay. If you have any ideas, email them to Toby. Toby at gotoby.com. <laughs> Seriously, that is my email address. <laughs> Feel free to send me your thoughts. <clears throat> now – Last week, we were talking about homesteading, and we've talked about that several times, and I still get calls and emails, and people stop me at Publix and ask questions. Homesteading is still probably one of the most or the least understood concepts in local real estate, and it has the largest probably financial consequence of almost sure. anything. I mean, it's, you're talking uh, just the fact that you're homesteaded and you get a $50,000 deduction in Palm Coast where you have city taxes and county taxes and mosquito control and all the other little ones, school district. Uh, it's about an $800 savings just having the homestead. But the real savings are in the Save Our Homes part of homesteading. That's a separate section, an amendment from the 19, early 1990s. It's not a that, great name for a law, Save Our Homes. Mm-hmm. Who, who could vote against that? Well, destroy. I, I'm actually in support of the Destroy Our Homes Act. Well, you sound like a builder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it is funny, isn't it, how the law titles often contradict what's actually inside the law. That's my, my favorite is they always make them acronyms. There's the Variety Act, which was an acronym for vegetables are really important eating tools for you. <laughs> you gotta be kidding. Those are, yeah, it's federal law. Yeah, Really? Yeah. <laughs> Think of something for fruit for next week. Will you? Yeah. Uh, the, the Homestead 
save our homes portion. We're going to run through that again, and I promised last week that we'd talk about the the dark side of homesteading and the Save Our Homes Act, and we will get to that this week. But there's some real key um, phrases that work in when you look your property record up. And Florida, by the way, is a very open state when it comes to public information, Uh, not in not every state can you look up and find as much detail about what your house is worth and the history of your house and, and your neighbors, too. By and their the criminal record, potentially. And, you know, all, all of those things. We're really quite – the book is open here. But if you look at your property record, and that's Flagler, PA, the Property Appraiser's website, there's some very key terms that you need to understand. One is called just and then parentheses, market value. And right beneath that, there's a phrase that says this This is a term devised by the property appraiser for tax purposes only. It does not indicate what your – I'm paraphrasing. It does not indicate the selling value, what your home might sell for. In other words, we make this number up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, look, let's take a break and then we'll get back into the homestead exemption. So, based on your comment, how do you deliver more and better? With less money. Free for all Friday, where local newsmakers talk it I out. I try to inform the public and, you well, know, I wasn't the, blaming um, you. No, I understand, but I'm trying <laughs> to get this I, thing done. I thought 120 days was enough. I hung in there as long as I could. Hi, I'm David Ayers. Join me and Brian McMillan every Friday morning following the news at 9 on WNCF and worldwide on the Flagler Radio mobile app. Well, thanks for staying with us, folks. We're back for the second half of Real Estate Matters, uh, brought to you every week, by the way, by this, our wonderful sponsors, the uh, American Village. It's a gated 55-plus community in the P-section. It's where I recently moved. And Klein Construction, Flagler County Home Builders Association, and they don't actually pay for a sponsorship, but I always like to put a plug in for my favorite church, the Hammock Community Church over in the Hammock on A1A just north of JT's. It's church the way it used to be. Church the way it used to be, the little church in the hammock. Uh, services at 9 and 11. Hope to see you there some week at, at 11. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to the 9 o'clock. So we're talking about homesteading. Uh, some really key definitions. The, the just market value is derived by the property appraiser. It does not represent the sale value or true market value of your property. Uh, as a rule of thumb, if you want to use a rule of thumb, and it's a, it's a wishy-washy one, it's not a, a good rule of thumb, but figure about 80% of the true value would be what you would be appraised at on that particular day. But understand that the, <clears throat> that value is assigned on January 1st of each tax year. And it's based on sales of like properties in the recent year. 
So you get kind of thrown into a batch of properties that are similar to yours, and they kind of mess around with the numbers and come up with like dollars per square foot for, uh, and they look at the type of construction, whether it's frame or block, and whether it's low-end construction or middle-level or high-end construction, and they come up with a number. But if you want to use a rule of thumb, use 80%. That's your market value. Then the next number is the assessed value. Now, on the January 1st, after you buy a house, that that uh, home will be reassessed, as all homes are. All properties are assessed every year on January 1st of that tax year. But the market value and the assessed value on that first January 1st will be equal for your home. From that point on, the two numbers won't be the same because of the Save Our Homes exemptions. The Save Our Homes exemption puts a cap. The assessed value cannot go up more than 3%. Or it's technically 3% or the CPI increase, whichever is least. So the first January 1st after you buy a home, your assessed value and your market value will be the same. After that, if the market value goes up more than 3%, the assessed value will only go up 3%. The difference is money that you don't have to pay taxes on. Yeah. It's, it's uh, because you, you pay tax based on what your assessed value is, not based on what your market value is. So basically it's saying that your house isn't as valuable as it might actually be. No, 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 it's not. Nice. Um, yeah, well, I was testing you, just, <laughs> so you, you are paying attention. <clears throat> I, I do listen to you. Uh, it's it's called Save Our Homes because it was uh, derived back in the early 1990s to keep people from getting taxed out of their home because a lot of people in Florida are on a fixed income or semi-fixed income. And property values go up in Florida quite a bit. And they always have, and they will continue to. I mean, they'll go down once in a while, but the long-term trend is always way up. And if your if your taxable value went up with your property value, people would get pushed out of their homes, and they were. So that's <clears throat> that's the background behind the Save Our Homes exemption. So if you get the assessed value from the assessed uh, value. You subtract your exempt values, and exempt values are the $50,000 that you get from being homesteaded. Uh, there's another exemption if you're a senior uh, with a certain level of capped income. If you're a veteran, if you're disabled, there are various exemptions that are subtracted from assessed value to get to taxable value. So those those are important terms. And then... The the amount, the difference between the assessed value and the market value, remember I said if your mm-hmm. market value goes up more than 3%, your assessed value can't go up more than 3%. And that's a cap on assessed value, not your tax. Taxes can go up more than 3% because Mildred could can go up. But each year as your property goes up in value and your assessed value is capped, you have a growing pool of money that you're not paying property tax on. Yeah. And that's called your protected value. If you look at your property, appraiser's property record. And the protected value can be significant. I'm, I 
recently sold a condominium when I uh, we closed in May, <clears throat> and I had paid originally one hundred and seventy thousand dollars for this condominium. That was a big price tag at the time. Well, it was it was it was two thousand square feet, and it was yeah. on the intercoastal yeah. waterway, so it was a hell of a buy. But it was right at the very bottom of the market. It, at the same time, I sold a home in Grand Haven at the bottom of the market. So, you know, it's, it's not all good. But over time, that condominium went up in value, and I sold it for $550,000, which is that's a good good flip. It's but it, multiple. Took, it was 12 years in the owning. But over that time, as the value went up, I ended up with a protected value of $281,667 that I wasn't paying tax on. So, Did you plan that? Well, I, I always plan on not paying tax. <laughs> but I, I found the only sure way to avoid paying taxes is to avoid having income. And there's a downside to that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just make sure you get a little nest egg before you go that route. Okay, now let's go to the... The dark side of the homestead exemption. And I actually went through this exercise on the home I had in Grand Haven for 11 years because that was a home that I had about 330000 in and it got up to about 600000 in value. And then the market crapped and it went down every year for about five years in a row or six years in a row. <clears throat> now, what happens when you have protected value and your market is going down. Let me tell you what happens. Let's say that you have a home that's worth 400000 assessed value, and these, uh, your market value drops by $50,000. Well, you'd like to think that your assessed value would go down correspondingly, but it doesn't because, remember, it's capped at 3%. As long as you have protected value, they can still increase, and they do, they will increase your assessed value by up to 3%. So your assessed value goes up 3%. Your property value went down $50,000. And in a down market, the millage rate probably went up too because the city and the county still have to pay their bills. So there's it's, it's the unpleasant side of... You're getting slammed in that scenario. You know, and, and I actually lost all of my protected value. But then it becomes a good side again because as you, if you get down below your previous base assessment, if you go down below that, you reset your base. So when you go back up again, your your three percent cap is based on the lower base. That's that's really <laughs> who makes dr- these rules. <laughs> that's dredging the bottom of the good news. Wow. But it's 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 complicated. So protected is a relative term. Yes, it's um, shel- sheltered momentarily. Yeah. <laughs> sheltered at the will of the market. So that's what happens. That's the downside of protected value. And I, and I, I bet not one person out of 100 in our listening audience even understands it after I've explained it. I guarantee it. And they certainly, they certainly didn't, didn't know about it. But, uh, but they'll remember this moment when, when things are going sideways. Now, just we, we got it. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, there's another side to 
<clears throat> the assessed values. Remember, I said it's assigned as of January 1st. I just moved into a house in American Village this year, bought it this year, but on January 1st of this year, it was still assessed as a vacant lot because the home was not completed. So it was on the basically the tax rolls as a vacant lot, and that holds for the entire tax year. So I just got my tax bill, as we all did in the last week, and my tax bill is for a vacant lot, and my real estate taxes this year, and this is a uh, 1,750-1,750 square feet, three-bedroom, two-bath home, brand-new construction, block construction. Very nice. And my tax was three hundred or seven hundred thirty-five dollars. Did you write to the appraiser's office and say, "I think you made a mistake. I need I, to pay I, more I taxes." Need to pay more. Uh, I meant to, but I, I didn't get around. Didn't to get it. around to that. But then next January first, reality will check in again, and it will be assessed as a home. It'll be assessed based on value as of January first, and next year I'll pay. But that that will be my new base line for protected value. The following year, if I go up more than 3%, my assessed value won't. So I'm back on track again. Boy, oh boy. And, I get to, and I get to bring a, a proportional share of my portability over. Your portability. The portability from the condo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I thought you had indoor plumbing, the new place. <laughs> I had outdoor portability. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get serious again next week. Uh, We hope you'll be back. We will be. I'm Toby Tobin, and I approve this show.